If you've been working with a client for a long time and their product or position hasn't changed much, how do you keep their content fresh? That's a great question. Let's ask Dice from Zero. Hello, listener. You are very welcome to B2B Q&A, the podcast where we go in search of an answer to your question about B2B content writing. This is episode 104. In a moment, we'll ask Zero's content strategy lead, Richard Allardyce, or Dice to his friends, how you keep content fresh when you only have one product. And later, we'll get a copywriting tip of the month from junior copywriter Claire Goodfellow. Before that, some introductions. My name's David McGuire. I'm creative director at Radix Communications, the B2B writing agency. And this month, our guest co-host is Turtle's head of demand, Kate Terry. Kate, thanks for joining us. Hey, David. Thanks for having me today. It's really great to be here. Oh, it's uh, uh, fantastic to have you here as as guest co-host. Lots of change going on at at, at Turtle and kind of new products and, and surfaces and things, I understand. Lots for you to do. Yeah, a lot to do, that's for sure. We're in kind of high growth mode right now. So we're really excited about some of the new product developments that have come out and new ways that we can help people make amazing and engaging B2B content. So yeah, lots coming out of Turtle these days, but all good stuff. Yeah, that's cool. We, we talk about Turtle a lot on this show. Listener, there's no kind of affiliate relationship going on, I, I promise you. Um, but there are lots of new things there where there's kind of more like a personal personalization kind of ABM type vibe to it now? Yeah, that's right. So what you can do with Turtle is actually personalize your content at scale down to the individual or account level. And you can use all of your data and insight and intent data you have, connect that up and turn that into a really automated process. So it's a huge leap forward if you're interested in personalizing content down to your end user and then getting uh, data back from them on how they're engaging and kind of getting real, really granular account insight. Yeah, I mean, any anything that contributes to the death of the PDF is okay in, in my book. Uh, Kate, in your first official duty as guest co-host, would you mind telling the listener how they can get in touch with us? I'd be delighted. So listener, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can find Radix on LinkedIn or Twitter. At Radix.com Or if you want us to answer your question on a future episode, record a quick voice note and send it by email. Podcast at radix-communications.com That's brilliantly done. Thank you very much. Right, it's time to hear this month's question. So who do we have? Hello, this is Chelsea Green from Fierce Content. And my question is, If you've been working with a client for a long time and their product or proposition hasn't changed much, how do you keep their content fresh? Thanks, Chelsea. That's an important question and something copywriters and marketers have to think about a lot, though. If it's okay with you, we'll broaden the terms from talking about just clients so we can help our in-house listeners, too. I'm chuffed to say I got my absolute first pick to answer this question, because when I think of a brand that's created a mountain of really fresh content around essentially one product, I think of zero. So I was knocked out when their content strategy lead, Dice, agreed to tell us how they do it. This is a little longer than one of our usual interviews, but he had so much good stuff to say, I think you're going to want to hear it. 
I started by asking Dice Chelsea's question. Just how do you keep content fresh? Yeah, so I had a bit of, I spent a bit of time thinking about this and it in some ways does depend on the size of the company you're working with or the size of the client you're working with. Um, because one thing that, you know, I've, I've experienced lately working in a, in, a, in a bigger place is that to keep something fresh, it needs to be someone's job. So someone needs to be tasked with uh, looking after that, that page or that product or keeping across what's changing. Uh, it needs to be someone's responsibility. And that sounds like a really, you know, uh, obvious thing. But mm. a lot of the time, you know, in companies I've worked with in the past, sometimes people don't do that. They put something out, they're excited, it goes out into the world. But it's not someone's job to look back and say, how's that thing going? And does it need changing? And does it need improving? So I think it's really important to make it someone's job to own it, be responsible for it, and have the um, the clout to be able to change it. Mm. Uh, and another really good point that um, Amy Stevens, who's a content strategist on my team, made as well when we were talking about this, is that that part of that job needs to be helping your organisation or your company uh, be comfortable with making changes over time. Mm. So sometimes if you are working with a client or a company and there's a lot of approvals, a lot of uh, review needed, mm-hmm. uh, if that process is really unwieldy, there's a bit of a reluctance to change it. No, no, we've set it live. We don't want to go back over that again. So part of the job of being of, of owning it is to prepare your company or your client for the fact that things need to change and be flexible and, and um, adapt to what's ha- happening out in the world or happening with your product. Mm. And, um, I guess the other part of that is that um, it's not just enough to be someone's job. Someone That someone needs to be watching regularly. You need to be monitoring. And so what are you actually monitoring? Before you put it out there, you need to think about what is effectiveness or success going to mean for this particular thing and what kind of metrics might I be looking at. And you actually need to go and look at them. You know, So sometimes I think people you know, rest on their laurels a little bit, put something out there and it's beautiful in the moment. Uh, but don't watch to see what happens. Mm. And, you know, um, uh, the founder of AppSumo, a guy who I follow called Noah Kagan, he talks a lot about this idea of um, what you track will grow. So it's not his own idea. It's one that he adopted from someone else. But the idea is that if you're looking at it and you and you are paying attention to it and you are interested in the numbers, then they will grow because you will, you know, take action or do things, even if they're minor, to to move those things onwards. So what you track will grow. And I'd add to that, what you track will improve. So if you are looking at it and monitoring it, then it's going to get better as long as you are you know, doing your due diligence. And I think that um, if it's a product, that might mean checking in with the team and forming a relationship with the team who build the product so that you can keep each other abreast of, for example, what's changing with your target audience. So, your product isn't the only thing that changes. True. You know, the people who the people who are using your product will change. What they understand will change. Things in their world will change. Um, a really good example of that for us is, um, you know, a UK example is making text digital. So mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't a thing uh, X number of years ago, but then it became a, a big UK government initiative, and it's highly related to our product. And so we need to be talking about that and being really up to date with what is being said about making text digital because that's what our target audience need to know and they're hearing and that they need more information about it. So you need to be looking at it connected to that product team so you know that the, what changes are coming ahead of time. You don't want to be behind that. And you need to be connected to your audience. You need to be talking to them and 
and finding out what they um, are hearing or not understanding, not just to do with your product, but to do with the landscape, you know, what what else is entering that information landscape that they might need to know or you might need to adapt according to. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of, it's it's the product, but it's also the context and kind of how it gets used and, and who's using it and what they're using it for um, and, and those kind of things. Um, on the kind of copy level, if something is not changing that much, like, you know, say there's a, a feature in Zero that's popular feature, it's always been there and it always will. Um, is there something, is that something where you would change just kind of on the writing, on the copy level, you'd change up how you write about it regularly? Or is it something where you're kind of refining it, you're testing and learning, and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And you can kind of, you know, afford to talk about the same thing the, the, the same way. I think that there's something really important in the the if it's not broken, don't fix it thing mm. that you just said is that um, there's a temptation, I think, when it's your job to write or refine or if you're trying to get work with a client, you know, because mm. you are inherently motivated to get more jobs and do more work, uh, to make change, you know, to, to change things and tweak things and carry on. And I think that impulse is a good one because – most of the time, things can be improved. You know, perfection is hard to achieve. What does perfection even mean? Uh, you can improve things. But I think that there's also something that people need to think about is that does it need to change? Mm. So sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes it's a it's a feature that has, has long been do it, like acted in the same way, doesn't has not changed. Uh, we've written it up really well and it works. But, you know, like you said, things change around that the context changes so your company style might change you might change some of the things in your style guide words that you might use or phrases you might use or a proposition or some nicety of language that you might start to use and you might want to weave that back in because otherwise if you don't that piece of content even if the product stays the same mm. is going to start to sound a bit stilted in comparison to the other stuff so what can happen is on a bigger website the top line pages, the the landing pages, the home page, get these mm-hmm. get the latest and greatest sort of mm-hmm. brand propositions and feel really fun if that's the tone of voice for your company or feel really fresh. Um, but the deep pages of the product that we built ten years ago, I mean, <laughs> we generally not specifically zero, um, you know, doesn't doesn't have that same tone or the same messaging. And so, while the facts or the accuracy might stay the same the way you talk about it, your tone of voice and, and your flow and your style might need to change as well. The other thing that happens is that um, in a large company is that writers change. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the team of writers or the writer that worked on something uh, a year ago might have changed. And so that's where, you know, and again, this depends on the size of the company, the role of an editor really comes in when you're looking at your publication mm-hmm. and you're looking for that evenness. So, Hey, I'm the editor. I'm looking at this publication. If you think of, I often try to think of a website as a publication, and you know, having an editor, and the editor's always looking at their at their publication to to try and keep it exactly that fresh and interesting. And what have we published before? Can we bring to the front? What are we trying to push out there that's new? But you also don't want to have unevenness where part of your website is less in connection with what people need, and a part of it is really um, well connected. So uh, that might be a slightly long winded. 
answer to your question. But <laughs> essentially, like I think, yes, you, you want to be careful. You don't want to just change stuff for the sake of it. Um, and um, but you also want to make sure that you you are when new writers come in and, and new ideas come in that you actually allow those to 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 come to the surface. So if a new writer comes in and provides a new perspective on a page, maybe incidentally, hey, I've just been looking at this page. You're my colleague. I said that you wrote this a year ago. I think it's awesome. But I think that, you know, we're kind of moving to the style of shorter sentences, uh, more clipped. And some of these longer sentences, you know, like there's a bit of research out there now that says that people find that kind of hard to read in a digital context. So like, can we, how about we update that based on this new style guide entry we have now, which says we're trying to aim for sentences of 20 or fewer words. Mm. So kind of an abstract example, but all of those things together, yes, you should be looking at them and monitoring them, but the level of change should be based on, you know, a few things, including whether it'll have any impact and whether it's actually needed. One of the things that really that, that really strikes me about zero is that um, the in terms of the content that you cover, the the field of subject seems to be really pretty broad. But the audience seems to be really clearly defined. So it's, you know, so that almost any, it feels like almost anything that you might want to know about running a small business successfully, you can find on the Zero website. Um, you know, so that, that, you know, there's a lot of small business information on, on there. Obviously, there's the, you know, a lot of partner stuff as well. Um, is that kind of a, a conscious thing to kind of own that space because a lot of your, customers are kind of you know owner managers of businesses so to kind of be a one-stop shop like that yeah well zero's business and accounting software and it does a lot of stuff um you can add any number of you know a thousand things to it you can integrate almost you know so many things with it and i think that i guess one of the challenges probably in the early days is that when people hear accounting that that with it comes with some perceptions uh, for, for a small business person, um, generally of um, perhaps fear <laughs> or concern yeah. or you know or, or a lack of understanding. So um, I think what's really important if you are trying to help people use or promote or get people to use your product, if it's in an area that people are maybe a little bit anxious about or aren't sure about, you need to build up uh, trust. And authority. You need mm. to help people understand or see or get the feeling that you know what you're talking about. And so you're right, on the website there's a lot of information about our particular features because it's a it's a it's a very featured product. There are a lot of things that it does. But the other thing we need to do is is to help if we go back to that idea of that context or that landscape, the the landscape in which we exist as a small business um, trying to uh, keep across their records and their finances, and you know it's a busy time. There's a lot going on when you're running a small business, or of their accountant trying to make sure that they are keeping a record. So when it comes to them to do their returns, it's not um, you know problematic. And so the landscape is already a complicated one. You're running a business. It's a it's there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. And so what we need to be able to do in the content we provide is to assure people. Hey, um, yeah, we've got some products that can help you out. Use this product for this for X thing. We've got that covered. Hey, if you are a small business and you're trying to run your business, here's how we can help you do that. Here's how you can uh, you choose a business name, or, or here's how to start a business in this particular country. And you know, 
with the side benefit that if you use zero, that will actually be easier as well. So it is a conscious thing. Mm. So zero, uh, like many other companies, uh, you know, take one of these strategies on board, which is to both inform people of their product, promote it, and help people within the, the wider landscape in mm. which they work. So really, like that depth of content is about generating trust, and it's also about generating awareness. So I might know about the company Zero, and I might go look for it, but I might not know about Zero. I might just have a problem. So my problem is uh, when I go to my accountant at the end of the financial year with a plastic bag full of receipts, they get a little bit irate with me, and they've suggested <laughs> I do something more digitally and modern focused. Uh, and so the problem is, you know, how do, how, how do I do accounting, or like how do I keep my records straight? And um, and so that. They know that problem, but they don't know that we that we have a solution for it. So, if they are looking for that problem, and, and we we would like to help them with that problem, we would also like them to know that we are a good solution to that problem. So, you know that that is why you know on a website like Zeros, and this is not a strategy specific to us, mm. uh, you see that depth of content because we're trying to solve the do you know about a product? What does our product do? Problem or, or question? Answer that question, but also answer the like the use case question of like mm. I have this life or business challenge can you help me out with that sure and then uh, there are so many challenges involved in running it was i guess that also going back to the original question gives you loads of space to find ideas and find new and interesting and uh, fresh perspectives and things to say yes yes like i think there are there are lots of different ways to to help people uh feel assured or uh calmer or uh feel like um they're finances records are taken care of. Um, but I also it's also worth saying that there are like really classic common things as well that don't really change that much. You know, so for example, yeah, and these won't come as a surprise, anybody starting a small business, you know, from a single person operation through to 10, 20, 30, 40 people, like they're really, really busy. You know, there's just a lot going on mm-hmm. and they are very they don't have a lot of time. And and that I don't have a lot of time. It's not something specific to us or our product. That's just a mm. like a business challenge and, and and a difficult thing because there's just so much going on. And in the beginning, you're really just winging it, you know. Mm. Especially if you're just one person. And so, while yes, we can put a different spin on um, or a fresh angle on being across things and being up to date and being ready for tax time, and we do that regularly some problems or some challenges are kind of uh evergreen which is that if you're a business person you are time poor and so and that's really and so that's kind of like a thematic thread that might go through a lot of uh content for a bus, uh, any company publishing for small businesses including ours um and so like you kind of have these sort of like deep themes and then on top of that you might add a, add a fresh angle you know the, the, the latest campaign the new zealand based one is uh taking tax out of the sort of too hard basket. So that angle is that, um, you know, people that get feel like taxes and returns are complicated and too hard. And, you know, what we are saying is it doesn't need to be, mm. you know, and so that's, you know, and, and, and that's a, a fresh angle, but the, but on a, on a classic take, which is tax is complicated. You are busy. We can help you. Yeah. So you've been talking with your, your team. What other, just practical tips have you got for the listener about how they could keep their content fresh? Sure. 
Okay, so um, a couple of great points from Sarah Webb and Amy Stevens and my team. Amy talked a little bit about uh, not just understanding your target audience, but understanding the industry, the, you know, the wider industry and what's happening in that area. So what is changing in terms of the words that are used, what is changing in terms of the language or the themes that are emerging in terms of the technology and what's available to people. So um, obviously you need to be aware of that as a business and where your business sits in there anyway, but as a, a person dealing with words, you need to also be listening for what language is changing so you can um, appear up to date and modern and, and fresh, as you say. Another good point that uh, Sarah and my team made was you have to think about being proactive and reactive. So proactive measures of keeping fresh are going out and finding out industry trends, talking to users, monitoring different sources of data. So this is an, an interesting one that we could do a whole podcast on, mm-hmm. which is um, how do I listen or understand what people are saying? So it's things like looking in search logs or looking at surveys or looking at other data that people have gathered, other research that people have done to understand what people are thinking, what their mental models are, what they don't understand. So that's proactively understanding your audience. And then there's the reactive stuff, which is when people uh, write to you or say something to you or you hear customer feedback. uh, And sometimes that customer feedback, depending on the size of the company, won't necessarily come directly to you. So you might need to you know, ask around, is there a source of customer feedback? Do we do surveys? Do we have any NPS data, any NPS feedback that we might make use of? That's really, you want to get that pipeline of information coming towards you or go, or go and find it. And also, in terms of being reactive or proactive, you need to keep across, if you're not writing everything on your website, which often is not the case, uh, or if it's small, maybe you are, you need to be looking across what's going on everywhere else and making connections. So if someone else is running the blog and you're working on the feature information, you need to make sure that you are sharing notes and putting things out accordingly so that you are not uh, publishing disparate information. And then actually they complement each other, you know, so uh, so things appear smooth so that it makes sense when someone lands one in one place versus another and that if a person goes between them, it feels coherent and, and created um, deliberately. That's awesome. Dice, if people want to uh, get more wisdom from you on content and uh, uh, copy and, and, and more stuff like this, where's the best place for, for them to, to hear from you? Uh, if you have a question and you want to reach out to me, feel free to uh, follow me on LinkedIn and, and drop me a message. Always happy to chat. Thanks, Dice, for giving us such a full and well-thought-out answer. And thanks to your colleagues, too, Sarah and Amy. Hello to you. Um, Plus, thanks, Chelsea, of course, for asking the question in the first place. Kate, there's a lot in there. Could you pick out something that stood out for you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I really liked what everything that Dice was saying. And uh, one thing that I think is particularly interesting is this idea that your product isn't the only thing that changes. Sure. I think it's really easy to forget that if you're a team who actually is quite focused on what you're doing and what you're bringing to market. And that's a great place to be in, uh, especially for myself and demand working with sales. They're really interested in what exactly we want to say about our product. Uh, but I think, you know, from a marketing and content perspective, it's really important to remember the context that your audience is in, that the individuals you're speaking to are in. And I really liked that focus that he had on kind of, you know, understanding the context and keeping uh, up with the changes that are happening in the space that everyone's operating in. Sure. I mean, so much of it is about 
defining the space where you're going to write content and understanding what your clients and your customers and prospects want to know about that, that you know about as well. You know, for them, it's, uh, you know, it's how to run a, a small business a lot of the time or, um, you know, and other elements of that. And then uh, I guess, you know, for Turtle, you know, there's a lot in there about just kind of the psychology of content and that stuff that people will, will find interesting. Yeah. I think one of the things also that I found interesting about Chelsea's question is where she was saying, how do I keep it fresh? I keep writing about the same thing all the time. And obviously if you're writing about the same thing all day, every day, but somebody's reading once in a while, maybe the stuff doesn't get as stale as quickly as you think, and maybe you don't need to change it as quickly as you think. And and that was one of the things that I, I, I thought was interesting. We're always more focused on our stuff being the same all the time than perhaps the audience is. I think that's so true. And it's, uh, again, such an easy mistake to make uh, where because it's not fresh to you, you assume that it's not fresh to your reader when actually it might be working just as well as it did on day one. So I liked what he said about understanding what you do need to change and, you know, reinvent and make sure it's keeping up to date. But actually, there's some things that you might not necessarily need to change. So that kind of links up as well to understanding the data and making sure that you are actually tracking what is still working, what is still engaging people versus what might have dropped off and is no longer really resonating with your audience. For a lot of people, of course, it's all about the content production. And then, you know, when you publish the piece, that feels like the end of it. And, you know, what Dice was saying about having someone whose job it is to go back and, and check. One of the things that I'm really interested in that you might have a perspective on is obviously Turtle is a format that you can keep changing stuff live after you've published it. And I'm kind of interested, do people actually go back and do that? Or do they have this attitude that once it's done, it's done and they're, they're on to the next thing? Yes, uh, people definitely go back and change and update and tweak their content. It's something that we really encourage our customers to do. And it's something where they've never really had access to the data to be able to do that in a meaningful way. So it's pretty exciting because it gives you a new way of working where instead of you know, we like to think about the kind of old school publication mindset versus this more evergreen mindset. And it actually changes the way you think about content all the way from when you're creating it down to when you publish it. Because if you publish it with the idea that you can go back and update it in mind, um, you're going to have more, you know, it just informs how you actually write it, the kind of way that you write it, maybe in a way that you can either go back and regularly update it to keep it fresh um, or just recognizing it as like a pillar piece of content that you can create other things off the back of. So what we see is people doing things like changing the order of the content, changing the title, trying out different tests where they'll run and see how different changes make an impact on readership and on the different pieces of the content that people engage with. Um, and even things like images, you know, you can really um, get as granular as you want to with testing things out. But one of the things we really like to talk about is this evergreen strategy and how can you actually repurpose the content you already have and make the most of it. Yeah, I think that's a, probably a whole different podcast there. But that change in, in mindset from publication and done to this is a thing that's live and your content's a thing that you have to keep working on. 
think people, <laughs> some people, I've got time to write the stuff that I've got to write now, let alone keep it up to date. But, it, you know, that's absolutely the case that now that we're in the digital world, there's no reason for it to be one and done, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Now it's time to hear our copywriting tip of the month. So it's from a junior copywriter at Radix, Claire Goodfellow. Copywriting tip of the month. Hi, I'm Claire, a junior copywriter at Radix, and my favourite copywriting tip is to use fewer words. Read over your sentences and ask yourself, can I say the same thing in less words? The chances are that if you can, it will make your writing clearer, more readable and more concise. Copywriting tip of the month. Thanks, Claire. I love that tip. Uh, Brevity is so important, and it's really great advice that I'll pass along to my team as well. I'm sorry to say that is all we have time for this episode already. Uh, Kate, please would you thank this month's contributors? I would love to. So thank you to Chelsea for such an awesome question, and of course to Dice for answering it, with help from Sarah and Amy. And thanks to Claire for the great copywriting tip. And thank you, Kate. You've been an excellent co-host. It's like you do this all the time. Uh, I hope it hasn't been too painful. Not too painful, no. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed it and learned a few great tips to take away as well. Oh, thank you. It's it's great to have you here. Um, Listener, remember, it could be your question we answer in a future episode. If you have a question for B2B Q&A to answer, email a voice memo to podcast at radix-communications.com or find us on social media. I'll see you next month for another B2B Q&A when we'll try to answer the question, how do you measure content quality? Until then, make good content and remember, do one thing every day that scares you. Boo! There's today's. You're welcome. Goodbye.